You're listening to the God, God Life Culture, Culture Podcast, Podcast, where faith and what's trending collide. Welcome, welcome back to the latest episode of the God Life Culture Podcast. This is Eddie. What's up, everyone? This is Miguel, and we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to the God Life Culture Podcast. We want to remind you to take this time to hit that subscribe button so you are notified whenever we drop a new episode. And also, if you would be so kind to leave us a review and a rating, this helps put our podcast in front of more people. Eddie, how are you doing today? Today, I am super excited. Um, You know, today's uh, episode is going to be a conversation that we're going to be having uh, with a licensed therapist about mental health, all that great stuff that um, comes with that and the not so great stuff as well. And also the spirituality that comes with it as well. You know, mental health is something that we have been speaking about through multiple episodes for the last three years. And finally, we actually have a professional. Yes. <laughs> that could definitely, you know, give us some insight, um, statistics, information, personal, you know, uh, opinion on these things that is very important. So, you know, that's something that I'm definitely excited about. Yeah. And like always, you know, one of our goals at the top of this year that we had told you all uh, was to have, you know, different voices coming on our podcast. And we recognize we have experiences, right? We have thoughts, we have opinions, but we aren't professionals in all of these areas. And we also recognize it's important to bring in those people that are equipped and bring in those people that have the tools and the resources and the education, right? To uh, speak on these topics. So this is very, very uh, exciting today. Yes. So with that all being said, we just want to jump right into it. And we want you guys to welcome to the Guy Left Culture podcast, Priscilla Berrios. Priscilla, please say hello to our listeners. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me here, Miguel and Eddie. This is awesome. Yes. Thank you so much, Priscilla, for being on our podcast. We are very excited uh, to, you know, dive into this conversation. But before we get into it, uh, you know, for our listeners who may not be familiar with who you are, I mean, um, not have heard of what you do. Can you please just tell us who you are, what you do, what is your official title um, and all that great stuff? Yes. So again, my name is Priscilla Berrios. I am a licensed associate marriage and family therapist here in the state of New Jersey. I, uh, another title I guess you could use is I am a systems therapist. You have some therapists that will just focus on one individual person. I focus on the systems of families. So quick example, if I was dealing with someone with depression, I look at how depression impacted that whole generation, the family system, the kids, the grandkids, the grandparents. So I look at the whole system of what's going on. Yeah. Nice. So right from the beginning, we have just been schooled that there is just not one type of therapist. (laughs) It starts. I'm ready to give you info. Yes. Yes. Um, And, you know, Priscilla, how did you know that this is something that you wanted to do as a career? I think, you know, we meet people that, you know, they say, I love to talk to people or I love to give advice or people. I'm always a person they come to for advice, you know, and this is something that that you actually do right as a career. How did you know that this is what you wanted to do with your life? Surprisingly enough, what really got me, I'm really into documentaries. And when I was younger, when I saw Bowling for Columbine, 
and the whole Columbine mm. shooting happened, that really impacted me because I learned that the young two men that did those acts, they went to therapy. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. the therapist did not see all the red signs. They had journals and different things. And it was just so sad to me that those two individuals, it seemed like they were not being heard. And because yeah. of that, a lot of, you know, we know what happened at Columbine. And I was, I was raised in Patterson, New Jersey. And as a young Hispanic girl, I was taught, you know, those things don't really happen in the white communities. And mm -hmm. if you remember, that was one of the first huge school shootings and it really rocked yeah. our world. So that that yeah. really was a catalyst for me. You know, and something that you said brings to mind and I, I, my wife is a documentary buff as well. Yes. She loves true crime. She loves yes. Law and Order, SVU, mm -hmm. Blue Bloods, all of those things or whatever. Um, <laughs> aside from the documentaries, the shows as well. But something that I unfortunately hear time and time again is how the system sometimes yeah. fails individuals. Yep. Um, you know, just, you know, just curiosity, your opinion. Do you think that that happens because these are individuals that went into the field for the wrong reasons or lost their passion for it? Why do you think that that happens? Yeah. That anytime we hear about, you know, school shootings or parents that abuse uh, children or murder their kids and SES and, then, and those people, you know, they fail them. Like, why would you think that that, that happens? In a nutshell, because that's a good loaded question. In a nutshell, we don't have enough spirit-led Christians in this field. Mm -hmm. As of right now, it's starting. Like now, yeah. like we have more podcasts like this. Like years ago, we don't talk about mental health. Th this mm -hmm. is not a thing. So I feel like now the church is starting to realize the importance of mental health and more yes. people are wanting to get in the fields because yes, you can have the education, but there's nothing like being spirit led. Yeah, which brings me to my next question, which yeah. is, you know, how has your faith influenced your work? Because, yeah. you know, you allude to the fact that as Christians, we're really operating on in two different worlds. The physical right. world, you know, what everybody sees with their own eyes or whatever. But as believers, we know that there's this whole mm -hmm. spiritual aspect that also contributes to not only everyday life, but mental health in itself. So how has being a Christian influenced your work? I've never been asked that question. Thank you. That's an awesome question. You know what? This is going to sound so weird to people. When I'm in my office, I'm just starting to get back in the office because of the pandemic, but I have this chair next to me and I just tell myself the Holy Spirit is sitting there too. Because nice. like, yes, I have the education. I've been doing this for since 2012. Uh, mm -hmm. I started getting into this and then the schooling and you have all this paperwork in front of you and the statistics and stuff, but you have to have, you have to allow the Holy Spirit in the room. And I believe I'm able to do that. Thank God through his grace. Yeah. And you know, it's funny cause it brings back, yeah. you know, this, when I, when I, was in high school and I was choosing my career path, which I thought was the path I wanted to go to at the moment, uh, was actually psychology. And I was talking to Miguel about this before we started recording, which was my initial reasoning for wanting to do that was because as Christians, you know, we're called to preach the gospel, go onto the community, you know, do, you know, share the word of God and all that great stuff. Yeah. But along the way, you are going to bump into people that have issues. Yes. And, 
back in the day, it was very easy for people, people to tell other people, like, reprende eso, just shake <laughs> it off, you just got to pray about it or whatever. When yeah. in reality, you can't always, that's not always the thing to do. Sometimes right. there, there are practical things that you have to say. They are... Uh, methods in order to help people um so it is important that as christians and like you said like there's this big um opening this door has mm-hmm. opened where it's no longer a taboo subject yeah. more and more churches are speaking about it more and more christian communities are talking about it it is important important because you yeah. also want the individual that is struggling to feel welcomed you don't Absolutely. want them to feel like they're getting rejected i i come from a time where I heard, like, this is serious, like, legit. I've heard preachers on the altar say emotions and feelings are from the devil. Like, I remember mm. hearing pastors say that. And you know what? There might still be preachers and pastors saying that now. I yeah. remember hearing individuals say depression is a demon. And I remember I, I was able to, I don't know if you guys have heard of Minister uh, Edgar J. Cruz. He yeah. had, a, a, yeah, he had a mental health summit a few years back. And woof, I said this statement and I got some, some heat for it. I said, depression isn't a sin. Mm-hmm. Where do we come from? Like, why do we say that? We could look, you could see the weeping prophet in the Bible. You, there's so many illustrations in the Bible of where emotions are seen and it's okay. And God created us this way, but yet from the pulpit, like, again, I, I, we, I come from that space and time where it, there was so much stigma and shame. And a lot of people today might say, wow, everyone today has depression. Huh? This must be the new thing. No, now we are more able to speak up about it. Depression yeah. has always yeah. been in the churches. Now mm-hmm. people feel free to speak on it. Now, I do have a question about that, you know, yeah. because I, I, I think it was like in one of the days I was teaching uh, the youth class or something, you know, I made the comment about you need to be careful about what you say, because saying yeah. I'm depressed is so easy or saying, yeah. you know, oh, I'm, I have anxiety or whatever. Is there a difference between feeling depressed and anxious and actually having depression and anxiety? Yes. So. And real quick with that, I, I, I hear people say that too. Like, I have to be careful what I say. I always think of Paul when he says, I, I, I'm pressed down, but not shaken. I'm, um, what's that scripture? Uh, um, I'm down, but I'm not destroyed. Destroyed, yeah. Yes, he says it. I am these things. So I, I feel like there's that fear of if I say it, am I claiming it? We're just mm-hmm. being honest. The scripture says, mm-hmm. worship him in spirit and in truth. My truth is right today, I'm not feeling good. <laughs> Today mm-hmm. I'm not I feel broken, but I'm gonna, you know, bring this to the Lord. And towards your question, is there a difference of feeling depressed and having depression? Absolutely. So what is depression? Depression is just a mood of feeling down, fatigue, loss of energy, uh, perhaps you're feeling unmotivated. And we have all felt this from time to time. It's just a bad, gloomy weekend. You don't really feel motivated. You feel a little down. You might have uh, a little sense of depression or, you know, God forbid someone passed away and you have that moment of grief or, or whole week of grief. But for it to be considered a major depressive disorder, or some people would say a clinical depression, you have those symptoms for nearly every day, most of the day for about two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. So what makes it a disorder is more the time length and if it's impairing your functioning. 
Mm-hmm. Same thing mm-hmm. with anxiety. Anxiety, right now, if wherever you're at, if you hear a loud noise outside, you're going to jump. It's a natural startle reaction you have. In a sense, that is anxiety. When I hear some people say, I don't have anxiety, technically, that's incorrect to say. We all have <laughs> anxiety, just like we all experience stress, right? So it's just your natural reaction to an outside stimuli. And it triggers the flight or fight uh, fight response. Now, when it becomes something that you're feeling nearly every day uh, for, again, about two weeks straight, it's now considered an anxiety disorder. So what makes the difference is the time length and how it's impairing you. I hope I answered that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we reached out to our, you know, we posted on our social media uh, for listeners to bring in questions and we got a bunch of questions that we just want to dive into. And, um, you know, one of the questions that we received was actually in reference to depression and anxiety. um, And someone asked, is taking medication for depression and anxiety a bad thing? Yes. So I I wear glasses. Do you guys wear glasses? I do. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, as a crit, I'm guessing that person that asked was a Christian. I never hear a Christian say, is it bad for me to wear glasses? I don't have 2020 vision. My eye doctor is telling me I need to be prescribed glasses. Is that okay? We kind of like accept that a little bit more than a mental illness. That's true. Or you know what I mean? Like I have to wear glasses. I've just accepted the fact that my eyesight is not 20-20. Sometimes I wear contacts and there's no stigma against glasses, but it is a physical disorder if you think about it. But when it comes to anxiety or depression, something that you cannot see, it's easier for there to be a stigma because I can't see your anxiety. I. It's so easy for me to look at someone who gets, let's say the anxiety disorder of panic attacks it's so easy for me to tell that person, get over it. Feel, you know, just breathe. You'll be fine. When you're experiencing it, it's different. I've had so many clients come in. And to me, it's really sad. I've had clients come in in tears, tell me, I feel like I'm doing something against God. I don't feel like I should be here. I feel like God is upset at me because I'm reaching out for help in therapy. And I just think it's so interesting because we don't think of that Usually when it comes to a physical thing, someone who has diabetes, when they are prescribed insulin and they're a Christian, it's usually more accepted to do that than take a Xanax that was prescribed by a psychiatrist. And I think that just goes back to the stigma. So no, I don't think it's bad at all. You want to better yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you touched on something that's very important, um, you know, about uh, seeking therapy, right. And, and counseling and taking these steps, uh, you know, and just for those out there, you know, this was a question that one of our listeners asked, what is the difference between therapy and counseling? Cause I think oftentimes we just use both of them, right? Like, Oh, I need to see a counselor. I need to see a therapist, or I think I need therapy, but you know, is there a difference between the two? Today, yes and no. Those phrases are very interchangeable. I mean, when it comes to the mental health profession, you have psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, licensed mental health counselors, clinical social workers. You have marriage and family therapists, what I am. Um, But when it comes, this is how it was taught to me. When you are about to open up a business and you need financial counseling, you go to someone to give you a quick advice. 
and it's good. It's to help you with a specific problem. God forbid you break your knee and your leg is really hurting you. Your doctor would tell you, you need to go to physical therapy where now you're going to work out your knee. They're going to give you different uh, workouts, different things, remedies you have to do home. Sometimes it hurts more before it gets better. That's therapy. Therapy goes a little bit deeper. Therapy takes a little bit longer. But I've had people call me counselor. I have people call me therapist. It, it's interchangeable because, yes, I can give you counseling. But if you stick with me a little longer, we'll go deeper and do therapy. And then go into therapy. Yeah. Right. And sometimes yeah, a- it hurts before it gets better. <laughs> yeah, emotionally <laughs> definitely and we're gonna get a little bit into that um yeah. in the next couple of questions but i did you know one thing that is you know as someone who you know you're gonna go out and you're taking this um leap of faith in yeah. a way where you realize you have a situation yeah. you want to seek help you want to go to a counselor or a therapist so you're kind of putting yourself in a vulnerable position yeah. to reach out to somebody uh, but how do you know you've actually connected with the right person you know that's like you know how do you how do you know you found the right counselor for you like what's like one or two things that you if you check these boxes you're with the right person yes so what's i I really want to like highlight that it is super brave to come out of yourself and say i need help so whoever's Mm -hmm. listening just know that it's so vulnerable it's super brave for you to do that it's courageous to do that um yeah, because unfortunately, especially in the Hispanic Latino community, yes. our phrase is what is it? La, la, la no ropa, se limpia en casa. Se limpia en casa. Yes, yeah. we deal with this home, and and the, the Hispanic families know what it is to have our own secret family rules and secrets, yes. and yeah, so it, it takes a lot to break that mold and come out. How do you know you're gonna go and, and get the right therapist? Number one, make sure they are licensed. Mm-hmm. Not an hermana de la iglesia. Has, <laughs> I have to say this, bro, because I've, I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard so much like, well, you know, they they took a psychology class. In 1943. In 1943. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. They, they've got, I guess. But if you think about it, like psychology 101, I think we all had to take at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, that's nice. But make sure they're licensed. And um, even sometimes yeah. when it comes to your pastors, right? Yeah. I think oftentimes, you know, <laughs> pastors can give advice, right? Absolutely. Pastors can give advice. They have experience. But there also comes a certain point when it goes into that therapy field, right? Yeah. Where it's conversations that need to take time and work. Absolutely. Uh, you may need to see a professional. Yes. And many of our pastors, right? There are some out there who may have degrees yeah. and, and backgrounds, right? In this, but some of our pastors are not professional counselors or therapists. Yeah. And then also you just have that dual relationship of you're the pastor, you're receiving all this information. And then now you have to be careful what you preach. Cause God forbid this person's going to say, Oh, el, el dijo eso por mí, because he knows about my family situation. So sometimes it is better to just refer out but yeah, make sure they're licensed. Also, I would say they need to challenge you. A counselor, a therapist is not your friend. I'm not going to always make you feel good. Kind of like we were saying earlier when it comes to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it hurts. Like I, I'm there and I've said this to clients before. Like this is going to hurt. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you some specific questions. You might squirm and like, no, I don't really want to talk about it. And I'll say things like, you know what? If you came to me, 
and you really want help in this, let's, let's do it and we'll do it slowly. So make sure they challenge you. And number, number three, just make sure you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard someone say a therapist is kind of like a shoe. The best shoe just fits on your feet, you know, perfect. You want to feel safe. Some people, they work well with male counselors, male therapists. Some people work well with female therapists. I've seen with teenagers, they do well with a, a younger therapist than an older therapist. It really depends on the per- person's preference, but the number two I really stick with, make sure they challenge you. Cause I've seen people leave therapy because their therapist was too challenging. Then it makes me think, well, what did you expect from therapy? <laughs> if you mm-hmm. want to talk to a friend, then talk to a friend. But if you want to get down to deep issues that are happening and the root of it, it's going to be a little painful. Yeah. And, you know, I do want to I, I want to dig into a little yeah. bit to the phrase of it being painful. From my yeah. understanding, what I'm grabbing from what yeah. you're saying is that um, sometimes there are certain truths that you have to be able to understand and swallow. Yeah. You know, sometimes there are certain situations and things that you have to um realize and you know when you speak to a friend maybe it's a lot of patting on the back <laughs> right right. but with a therapist sometimes they're going to be like yeah but do you see this do you see this angle right. like is that where and, and i know a lot of it also has to do with the healing process as well Absolutely. but when you speak on it it is going to be painful can you talk a little bit about what yeah. that means well i'll say it this way there's a difference with hurt and harm mm-hmm. when you go to a dentist and they see a cavity and they start cleaning out your teeth, it hurts, but it's for your good. Mm-hmm. All the sugar you ate that tasted amazing, that's what <laughs> was harming you. Yeah. So in the therapeutic process, we might go into some conversations. Let's say we're talking about uh, sexual trauma. That's going to be a little harmful for some people. Uh, I'm sorry, hurtful for some people to go down that avenue and talk about those things that perhaps they haven't spoken about in years. Mm-hmm. So emotionally, it's going to hurt a bit, but that hurt is for your good. It's not for harm. Kind of thinking of it like, you know, literally when you have a scab and you have a wound, it's we got to clean it and it might, you know, get irritated when you're touching it a lot, but we have to clean it. You got to put the alcohol in it. You got to make sure you're covering it correctly healing doesn't always feel good. And I think in this generation, we have been misled to think that healing process looks good. It's pretty. It's pretty to put on Instagram like, oh, wow, we've made it. But not all healing feels good. Not all healing looks good. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in reference to to, you know, seeking therapy and counselors, right? I think oftentimes the fear of it being painful, right? Causes people to not take that step or the fear of having to confront those things and uh, deal with those issues and even just talk about it and put it to words uh, causes people to sometimes not want to take that step. And I often hear, you know, and this was also a question from a listener, people who uh, you know, really want Christian counselors or therapists. They want someone that's a believer as well, yeah. um, you know, that has that faith background. And from my understanding, right, and just, I guess, from the things I've heard, it's not always easy to yeah. find a Christian counselor or therapist. Is there a resource? Is there a tool or something that, you know, uh, those who want to seek a Christian therapist can can go to to find one? You know, I'm going to be real honest. I've seen and heard can I, I'm gonna be real honest with y'all yes that's what we want. I've seen and heard people say 
I'll just say I'm Christian so I could get that door I'll, I'll be honest. I've, I've heard it. I've heard it. And I'm sure that happens in other fields. So I feel like you, you could check out psychologytoday.com. That is one resource. A lot of therapists sign up on there and, and you could see their different faiths that they write. I would say still take that with a grain of salt because anybody could say they're a Christian nowadays. You know what yeah. I mean? Still go in and do like an interview process. Check mm-hmm. who they are. Look, look them up. It, it takes a little bit of work that yeah. I know a lot of people don't want to do, but it just takes a little bit of work. See who they are. Sit with them. See if they do like a free consultation. Talk to them for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as Christians, you know, we have to be able to tap into our spiritual resources and use your discernment. So if you're right. having a free counseling session or it's your first time visiting a counselor or therapist and something just feels off or if you ask certain questions, which are like things that they should be able to answer yeah. about or whatever, and they're coming at you with something random, it's right. kind of a sign to be like, you know what? I can walk and, and, and being OK with being like, I'm you're just going to walk away. Like, I think that you can do that, right? That's not nothing wrong to be like, you know what? Thank you for your time. Thank you for, you know, seeing me. This is the end of it. Peace out. (laughs) You know what it is? I don't want to say, oh, just look on this resource. The one that says Christian, you know, just sign up and take that person. Yeah, and there's also, I'm sorry to cut you off. There's also different, it's going to sound really weird how I'm going to say it, but different (laughs) levels of you know, Christianity, yeah, you know, because you yeah. can have someone who believes there's a God, you know, right. believes that Christ died for them on the cross, but that's it. Like that's where they stop. Exactly. <laughs> and then you have other people who are like really into it, who have discernment, who have spiritual gifts that they're also, you right. know, using as tools in their therapy and in their counseling, you know, and that's a completely different level than the person that just, you know, knows that God is real. Right. Right. So yeah, discernment is key. Um, yeah. Now we're going to get into a little bit more, uh, maybe like nitty, nitty and gritty stuff. You know, one of the things that is common, especially in mm-hmm. the, like you said, in the Latin community and all communities as well, is the fact that a lot of people have gone mm-hmm. through traumas or situations yeah. or experiences that they've just locked away. Absolutely. They put it, they've dug deep, dug it deep in their heart, dug it deep in the back of their, their mind. Um, and, you know, they don't want to talk about it or they, they don't know how to address it or whatever. But it, those traumas and yeah. behavior that came out of that does affect them in their everyday life, whether how they carry themselves, how they interact with people and stuff like that. So how do you handle as mm-hmm. an individual past traumas that have not been addressed or dealt with in your life? Yeah. Number one, you got to accept it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree with it and be happy. Like, oh, yay, trauma happened to me. Just an acceptance of like, wow, this happened. Kind of like, a, I guess another way to say it is like, own it. This happened for mm-hmm. many individuals. I I, I was just watching a, a documentary, a new documentary Demi Lovato just put out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I saw that and yes. she speaks about, uh, she was raped when she was younger, when she was a teenager. And the way she explained it, she said, in the moment, I didn't even consider it a rape. Mm-hmm. I know I didn't consent to it, but I was blaming myself. I didn't even consider it a rape. And I thought that was so interesting because how many people are just not educated on knowing what is a trauma? 
So mm-hmm. it's hard to even say, wow, this situation happened to me. I don't even know how to categorize it. So it's like, you got to get to a place of accepting it. However, that's really hard to do because just like you said earlier, sometimes we lock these things away. When it comes to trauma, we could go into a whole nother conversation with this. <laughs> what happens in your brain, sometimes your brain will, okay, layman's term. Sometimes your brain will lock away certain memories without you knowing just to protect you. And you don't mm-hmm. even know yes. that you have things locked down there. The, the best way I could think of it, and I say this, I'm sorry, I have a four-year-old, so I watch a lot of Pixar. Have you seen the <laughs> movie um, Inside Out? Yes. yes, my son yes. loves that movie. So, <laughs> okay, so you know when, um, oh my gosh, Riley, she's afraid of the clown. And yes. they go into the unconscious and they find the vacuum cleaners there, the clown, yeah. and there's other things there. That's That movie was so spot on. That's a lot of us. When mm-hmm. you go into our unconscious, you have things there that perhaps you didn't even know of. And that's why the scripture says, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, oh Lord. There might be things there that I don't even know of. So if you find yourself like, "Mm, I feel like something happened when I was younger. This is why therapy, especially psychotherapy, is so key because that trained professional is going to be able to, through a series of tests or a series of different techniques or questions, they're going to be able to untap that for you. Yeah. Like I, it's happened in, with me when I'm with people that I work with, with my patients, where I ask certain questions and I go into a different avenue, I guess you could say, where I could see that aha moment in their eyes of like, whoa, I didn't even think of that as a trauma. I didn't even know. And then once that door opens, other things start flooding out. Like, oh my gosh, I remember this flashback of this. And I remember this. And, and it just like starts spewing out. So it's it's... It's a little hard when it comes to yeah. trauma. This is why therapy is so good for everyone to just go in, just like you would do a physical checkup, just do a mental checkup. Cause you might be thinking I'm totally good. And then you go to therapy once or twice. And then you start uncovering things like, whoa, I didn't even know my childhood really had that type of impact on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I do, you know, Miguel and I and our wives and friends, we were talking over the weekend. We were really excited about this episode. Yes. Um, and something that you speak just spoke about was part of our conversation over okay. the weekend as well was the whole idea of, of resurgences, mm-hmm. blocked out memories coming back and how sometimes it's not even in a therapy session. It's like right. at a random moment. Yep. something just triggered that memory and all of a sudden you get like this flashback of yeah. a trauma that you haven't thought about in years yes it's yeah. been years that that's been locked away and all of a sudden it just comes flooding back again in that moment when let's say that that was to happen to somebody after listening to our episode or something yeah. you know what is the advice that you give them to do like what they should what should their next step be when all of a sudden they get these memories flooding back that they had locked away Oh my gosh, talk about it. For some reason, your brain allowed you to feel that in that moment. Get This is why support system and community is so important. Get to a trusted person. Say, hey, I had this flashback. I just need to vent. I just need to talk. Uh, there's a scripture that says healing comes through talking, like just sharing what you're feeling in that moment. So I, I just pray whoever's listening, if, if you do get a trigger or, or now you're starting to get like those flashbacks, 
hit up someone and hey, I need to talk. Uh, I need prayer. I'm getting these flashbacks. And then if it's something that you notice that is continually staying with you, maybe the next day after you heard this, then DM me. <laughs> Let's do some yeah. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think one of, uh, you know, people's concerns, right. When it comes yeah. to mental health, when it comes to trauma, past trauma that maybe they haven't dealt with that appears in a flashback or appears in something, um, you know, we, we recognize when there are things in us, right. That, that isn't right. We recognize mm -hmm. when there are habits or the, you know, the way we carry ourselves, um, you know, that's a result of things that have happened. Um, yeah. And I think one of the biggest fears that many people have is passing that trauma yeah. um, onto their children. Right. Mm -hmm. And almost like, you know, that transfer of my anxiety now becomes, you know, their anxiety or like my trauma and depression or s extreme sadness, you know, like I'm, I'm afraid it's going to pass down to I'm my children. Down. You know, yeah. how do you ensure that that trauma is not generational and that, you know, is, is stopped? So interestingly enough, there's new research that's still being worked on, on how trauma is passed on genetically. It's still being researched. Um, yeah, that's why for many individuals, it's, it's, I believe right now it's still like a working theory, but the, it, it, there's a lot of research that's showing like even um, individuals that came from slavery and went through that trauma, how it was passed down to now their children. And now their children are triggered by things that they probably necessarily didn't experience firsthand, but they're receiving those traumas. Um, honestly, when it comes to this, a hundred percent Jesus, because it, like, of course you could work things throughout, you know, uh, therapy and vent about it and get different techniques and tools. But when it comes to things being passed down, sometimes that is not literally in our control. You get what I mean? Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Genetically. I mean, we could talk about alcoholism, addictions, uh, mm -hmm. there's just different, uh, things that happen in our psyche, our genetics, our genes. Like when I think of depression, uh, major depressive disorder, if you have someone in your family that already has that, you are more predisposed to receive that because it's just in your family. And it's the same thing with trauma. And again, it's still being researched. So I would yeah. say just, you know, if you go into the whole topic of generational curses or yep. generational iniquities, how it's said in the Bible, Jesus yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I, that's I the feeling. Yeah. And I think it's also finding that balance, you know, because in the beginning, uh, you know, we spoke about those, you know, how years ago, you know, yeah. therapy and counseling and mental health wasn't talked about. It was, right. you know, prayer, rebuking the demon, getting the oil, all these different that things. Right. And, that you know, it's like we have to be careful now not to swing to the complete other side Absolutely. where it's like where we look at those things as if, you know, those things don't work. And right. I do need therapy. I need to do these breathing exercises. I need to do this. Yeah. I need to do hot yoga. I need to right like all these <laughs> different things. Right. Um, I think we need to come to this place where we understand the power that lies in what we believe in, in yes. our faith, that lies in the Holy Spirit, the power that lies in God's word. Yeah. And Absolutely. also understanding the people that God has equipped, right? And the work, the physical work, right? The mental work that we need to do on our end, right? Where it's almost, I love to say that it's yeah. where, you know, the practical meets the spiritual, Absolutely. right? Where we're not just yeah. so involved, you know, in this spiritual realm and spiritual land that we're not yeah. taking care of 
our lives here on earth in our everyday interactions, you know, in our everyday conversations. Think about Jesus. I believe it was the young boy that would uh, get in the fire and then get in the water before he performed the miracle. Jesus looked at the father. When did this start? That's counseling. That's therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He got a whole, uh, we call it genogram, a family tree. He, he wanted to know the, the frequency he, we would call that. He did a little bit of CBT cognitive behavioral therapy, likes to know the frequency, the intensity of something. How many scriptures talk about in the abundance of counseling, there's wisdom. So the Bible speaks on this and, and it's, yes, I love the balance. You said, I say this and I think some people like think because I do therapy. I'm a therapist. I must like not believe in the demonic spiritual realms. And, you know, no, I, I was born and raised in church. I'm a pastor's daughter. So I I've, I've seen it all. And what I tell people is don't come to therapy and stop praying. Don't come to therapy and stop fasting. I'm old school when it comes to that. Hey, let's do both. Let's work on a Bible study and learn breathing techniques. Why can't we do both? You could talk to your therapist and Jesus too. I'm not going to tell you to stop going to church. No, keep going to church. I've had clients that I say, you know, weekly see me and weekly see your pastor. I want to see both. Let's yep. work on this. You know, we are holistic beings. You you got your soul, you have your spirit, you have your physical body. So just like we know the importance of the physical temple, right? Of, of the Holy Spirit is our body. And we make sure we do our best to take care of that. We have to also take care of our mental health, especially with the type of year we just went through. Mm-hmm. Depression's on the rise. Anxiety's on the rise. Divorce rates are on the rise. Pornography is on the rise. Alcoholism is on the rise. So it's showing you that mental health needs to be talked about. Now, especially in churches. No, absolutely. And I agree yeah. with that wholeheartedly. Now, yeah. what would you say, like, you know, because there are, it could be in a relationship, it could be yeah. in a family setting, it could be in a friend setting where yeah. they're your wife, your husband, your bestie yeah. is someone who you recognize. Mm-hmm. need therapy and counseling but they are not willing to seek it or mm-hmm. you know you need marriage counseling or something mm-hmm. like that and you know you've been telling your husband you know babe we really you know we need the help there's stuff going on i you know i don't have i don't have the resources or the answers to help you with let's yeah. go see someone and they are not willing to go yes, what yes. does that how does that person handle that situation? Yes. Great question. When it comes to a couple, I've had that before where like, it's usually the wife, usually the wives are the ones that call. Um, <laughs> you know, I want there. We could, that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> it's usually the wife that calls and says, I need, uh, some therapy, a uh, couple marriage therapy, but my husband doesn't want to come. So I'll just wait for him. That is such an error. Work on yourself. I I tell them you come in because it's better than nothing. If you yourself come in and you learn the tools and you learn how to change first, things will happen. So, um, if you guys were in front of me, I would draw this as a systems therapist. I, we, I was trained to not believe a causes B. Mm. I was trained to believe A causes B, which causes A, which causes B. It's a circular thing. Uh, Because she nags, he withdraws. But because he withdraws, she nags. So it just becomes a circular uh, dance, we call it. So if I could get at least one of them in there and speak to them on their behaviors, what are things they can change, and they start changing the dance, they start changing the system, 
I, I guarantee you there's going to be benefits that are going to happen that now usually the husband then comes like four or five sessions after like, Hey, did you change my wife? <laughs> What's going on? And then it happens. So sometimes unconsciously, let me, let me give grace unconsciously. I've seen where people go, I can't do therapy because my spouse doesn't want to do it. And then it just becomes like a cop out. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Um, just come in, just come in. Cause once your spouse sees you doing better, they're going to want to join. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I mean, <laughs> I hope our listeners are taking notes. Listen, because this is so I'm good. Um, you know, on Instagram and social media, you know, I follow you and, you know, that's how I was becoming aware of your, uh, you know, of everything that you do and your conversations. Cause again, there are people like, you know, we spoke before that are out there that, you know, claim to be certain things and, uh, you know, you could just watch their stuff or whatever. And you know, like there's just something that's not right or something missing or it's like, <laughs> yeah. eh, like very one-sided, um, you know, but in listening to a lot of your material and a lot of your, uh, resources that you've put out there, um, you know, it's been really edifying. And one oh, video awesome. specifically, you know, caught my attention. And I remember okay. sharing it with Eddie uh, yeah. a few months ago or weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I was like, listen, we need to get her on. I think this is going to be good. And you were, yeah, you were on, you know, at a church. I don't know if it was a conference, uh, okay. whatever. I don't know what it was. But um, you were saying how you hear oftentimes preachers say that preaching is their therapy. Oh, that video. Yeah. Yes. And you <laughs> basically, you know, uh, started talking about those people who are preachers or ministers who say that, you know, what they do preaching is their therapy. And, and you mentioned that healed people heal people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just want you to talk a little bit about, yes. you know, that uh, topic of those ministers out there who may say that what they do in ministry, right, whether oh. it's singing or preaching, right, is a form of therapy for them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That video, I got some DMs because of that one. So <laughs> you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> so that was actually at my home church, uh, Fuente de Vida. Yeah. That was a fun one. That day I actually preached on Jehovah. The title was Jehoshaphat. You got to go. And I was speaking on Jehoshaphat where it says he has to, uh, the Lord told him, get, get set, uh, stand and just be there and worship. You don't have to fight, but you have to go. So I, I used it within a mental health type of way of like the battles already won, but you do need to confront it. Mm. The freedom is there, but you do need to confront it. Don't just act like that trauma is not there. You got to go. And I kept on repeating that you got to go. So yeah. Uh, when it comes to the free, you know what? You know, a lot of people don't understand what therapy is. So when something feels good, instead of saying the phrase self-care, like, wow, this is my self-care, this feels good. Um, they use the phrase therapy. And just earlier we said how therapy sometimes hurts. Um, they're not using the phrase correctly. I get what people are trying to say. I, I also uh, lead out worship in my church. And when I sing, it feels good. I have that moment with God. Oh my gosh, it, it feels beautiful. But for me to say that's my therapy, it's it's incorrect in the usage of the term therapy, because what could happen is you have a lot of young preachers that they are being trained in the arena of social media, attention, a lot of aplausos, a, a lot of hand clapping, and then they internalize that as, ah, oh, this feels good, hence it's therapy. And that's not true. 
we have to, as ministers, be intentional with healing. We have to be intentional with not burning out. I know of many ministers that they were taught either verbally or non-verbally, just messages from the church, that an overbooked agenda means you're doing a lot for the kingdom. I don't believe that's true. An over agenda and you being stressed out. I got to go to this airport to go over here. And I got five. I've, I've heard of people say they got five churches to preach in one Sunday and I'm just doing so much for the Lord. But when you listen to that last service, you're not giving your all to the people. You're not really ministering. You're hungry. You're tired. Are we really being effective in the kingdom when we're almost close to burnout? When I see Jesus in the Bible, he was chill. He, 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 he did his thing. He didn't rush. Where, where do you see in the Bible? Jesus rushed. Where do you see in the Bible? Jesus pressured by the people. And we have a lot of ministers that do that. And then emotionally they're hurt. They're harming themselves. They're not sleeping. They're not eating correctly. They eat right after service. Like we could go into nutrition and how that affects <laughs> your brain yeah. and your mental health. After that vigilia, it's 2 a.m. Vamos pa chilies, vamos pa applebees. And we're just going to eat bad and we're not going to sleep. And then we got to wake up early the next day to do service. You have to be healed in every aspect. And unfortunately, if we could go there, like I said, I'm a pastor's daughter. So I've been around this for many years where I have seen ministers use the pulpit as a way to heal when, when now people are seeing an area that perhaps they should not have access to Mm -hmm. heal first. Like I know in that clip, I said something like, you know, don't you put your hands on me and you're broken too. I know you're not perfect and neither am I, but heal people, heal people. And I just feel like we, we have come to a place because of social media and everything is so public. We feel like, oh, let's do a lot of behind the scenes. Let's show people our transparency. And that's good unto a point. We still need boundaries. Yes. There's still a lot of things behind closed door that should just stay behind closed door between me and God, that healing. And once I'm healed, I'll testify to you about it. But let me yeah. testify and not be wounded and show you my wound just yet. Does that make sense? Because yeah, yeah. I feel like there is a level of like, yeah, I want to be transparent and show you like I'm going through th- things, but I-, I need to heal first. After my first daughter, I and I have no problem saying this, I had uh, suffered postpartum depression for about maybe two years. And I know for some people, when I shared that, it was like, you're a therapist. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I have a mental health too. Just like when you go to Walgreens or you go to a doctor, it doesn't mean that they are now not able to get sick because they help prescribe things to you. They're also human. So during that time, I needed to take time off because I was then not going to do my work effectively. I was going to harm people. Yeah. So it's it's you have to have a, an amount of self awareness of like you know what God, this is not a good week. I, I I don't feel good. I need a break. I I I history. I come from a place where a place in time where taking a sabbatical, ministers taking time off, that was unheard of. Eso fue que tú estabas en pecado. That was like yeah. you're insane. You don't you know now. Thank you Lord. You hear that more. Like okay, the pastors are going to take a vacation. Ministers are going to take a time off. And that's how you heal. Yeah. 
I mean, there's so many things that I want to get into I'm with like, what you're saying. I keep writing <laughs> things down. Talking too much. No, 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 We need I to have you come back. That's what we need to do. We're going to schedule that already. Listen, so <laughs> one of the things, um, you know, that you mentioned, um, and I can totally relate to is, you know, the young ministers, right, who are out yeah. there who are on this grind and hustle, right? Yeah. Um, like you, I'm a pastor's, uh, pastor's kid. I've been yes. a pastor's kid for <laughs> years. I mean, I think I was like 13 years old when I became mm. a pastor, when my parents became pastors. Um, I was involved in ministry since like eight years old. Uh, yes. You know, I was like the one that was president of the Ninos, then went oh to the the Jovenes, and then from there... Yeah, from there, I I had a, a my ministry that I did for years as well, oh and gosh, yes. um, yeah. So it was a lot of um, you know, a lot of hustle and grinding, right? But I think it's so important to denote that a lot of it also comes from what you see, yes. right? So when you see the other ministers or other ministries who are out there who are, like you said, constantly going here and going there and constantly doing this. And they have three services in one Sunday. There's a weekend, they're busy, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You think and equate that with success. And you equate that with God blessing you and your ministry and you being anointed. And half those insights were not from God. Yeah. yeah, No, for (laughs) real. And that, that's the thing where I just, I, and you know, it's something that, you know, still happens and you see young ministers out there who they have that mentality of, yes. you know, I need to just go, 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 but I'm not checking in with myself. I'm not making yes. sure I'm okay. I'm not, you know, ministering, speaking or singing from a place that is, you know, pure and healed yeah. and whole. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like oftentimes it's so much easy easier to and i'm gonna i say this loosely to capitalize off of our weakness mm, come on and capitalize off of um our brokenness right uh in order to you know reach people and relate to people right yeah. so we know that a lot of people go through depression we know that many That's people right. in our churches are suffering and may be upset or sad or have sickness you know so does that mean then that we constantly go around you know, uh, preaching about those things or highlighting those things, or, you know, we have to lead worship and we're leading worship, uh-huh. but we go back to our brokenness and we're yes. talking about this and that, or we're giving a word, but we go back to our brokenness, you know, church, and it's again, people, this cycle. Church people are so good at wearing masks. Mm-hmm. In, in that same preaching I was talking about that, I, that you got that clip from, I said, <laughs> this is kind of simple. Here we go. I said, uh, a lot of people, they 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 spell denial spirituality. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know, you have to repeat that. Fine. You have to repeat that. Yeah, you know, I felt that. I'm gonna say that again. A lot of people <laughs> <laughs> they spell denial spirituality. Like, if I just go to another vigilia, everything's gonna be fine. If I just go to another concert, if I just go to another preaching, and and we become like spiritually OCD a little bit. Like we 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 get ritualistic and obsessive. Mm-hmm on our walk because we think we could keep ourselves up and we're not really relying on grace. And that's why I, my opinion, Priscilla, my opinion, why the church still has an ounce of stigma towards mental health is because we like to use the phrase, you don't have faith enough for God to heal you. You must not pray enough. You must not do enough. You must not fast enough. You must not be enough. When it's like, again, if I have glasses, especially Pentecostal churches, you could accept that. 
if I'm going through a divorce, you could, you could accept that and just pray for me. But once I say, man, I've got some panic attacks. Oh, it's on demonio. I've had people that would rather say they are being plagued by demons than just saying, you know what? I experienced a panic attack. What does that say about our culture? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying they don't exist, but if you're receiving, like I could go over it right now. If you're going, if you've experienced heart palpitation, sweating, trembling, or shaking, shortness of breath of, or smothering, feelings of choking, chest pain, discomfort, nausea, feeling dizzy, lightheaded, uh, some numbness or tingling in your fingers, and you feel that for a, a few, maybe a minute to five minutes, that's considered a panic attack. Some people mistake that for a heart attack. But it's that same feeling, that same sensation. And for some people, it's acute panic attack. Something happened that got you really nervous in that moment. And you got that sensation. For some people, it's uncued. You're just walking down the street and you just get this feeling of anxiety and plague and nothing has happened. That can be a mental illness. Yeah. And I think yeah. something that you brought up that is also very like, it wasn't until honestly, you know, yeah. Um, my my wife and I were having our first kid and all of that, that mm -hmm. I really started to understand and think of the phrase postpartum depression. Yes. You know, it was just something, nobody spoke about that in church. That wasn't <laughs> something that was brought up. That wasn't something that, you know, you told people how to get help for that. That wasn't something right. that was brought up in marriage counseling on how no. to equip a husband to deal with a wife who's dealing with postpartum or a wife on, you know, if you're feeling postpartum symptoms, do this, that, and the third, Absolutely. you know, so, you know, what do you, if you can, and I know this is yeah, something yeah. that is like so big and deep to dive in or whatever, but at least yeah. one thing that you would say to a husband mm. on how to help his wife who is dealing with postpartum and to a woman um, who is going through postpartum herself. Absolutely. What advice? Men love to fix and you can't fix it. Yeah. Men, that's just the way God designed men. Men are more black and white. Men are more just objective. Okay, what's the goal? So much so that if a woman has a little critique or criticism, men take it as a nag. They take it like, okay, what am I doing wrong versus let me just hear her out. So number one, men, you did nothing wrong. It's it's Now it's not that you didn't do enough. Postpartum is another disorder. Just it's a, It's a medical issue. So just like I don't have control over my eyesight, I can't say, okay, let me see a little bit better. Someone who has postpartum depression, you can't just say, oh, get over it. Let's go see your family. Maybe you'll feel better. Mm -hmm. if, if I could, I would. I don't like this feeling. So I would say to the husband, patience, 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 be an ear and listen. Don't fix because you can't, but mm -hmm. listen. And to the woman, I would say, you got to speak up. Depression likes to keep us quiet. Depression, a lot of my clients say it feels like a dark cloud. Sometimes the dark cloud is a little lighter than other days, but it's just this thick fog. For me personally, I just felt that thick fog. I wasn't sleeping correctly. Uh, it was our first kid. Um, there was a lot going on and, and just personal, I'll, I'll get personal. I didn't know you were supposed to continue on, uh, pre, pre, uh, uh no, what is it? The, the vitamins. Yeah, I didn't know after pregnancy. I just stopped. I was like, okay, I'm done. Ah, my vitamin D was super low. Plus, I wasn't um, sleeping well. I was trying to breastfeed because everyone says you're supposed to breastfeed. I wasn't doing the best. So it's just all this pressure that you just put on yourself. But it was like I couldn't speak. 
So thankfully, thank God for my husband, Jonathan, if you hear me, I love you so much. Um, he was a good <laughs> listener. He was just there for me. You know, sometimes just being present, even if you're silent, just being present does so much. Yeah. yeah. So women speak up, men listen. <laughs> That's awesome. Another another thing that you mentioned earlier, yes. uh, you know, you touched on it was the idea of rest and, yes. you know, a sabbatical. So I think, you know, as far as what you were talking about, as far as ministers and pastors, like you said, years ago, it wasn't heard of, right, for pastors to go away on vacation or pastors to take <laughs> yeah. some time off, um, you know, but for the everyday, you know, people, right, who may not be in a leadership position, may not, yeah. uh, you know, be a pastor or may not have, you know, that whole uh, ministry um, you know, that whole world of ministry, they're just, you know, they work, they have a family, mm -hmm. they go to church, um, you know, but there's always pressures and, and things in our life that yeah. requires us to have to stop and take time to rest. Mm -hmm. What would you say, what are techniques or what are methods that, you know, individuals can do if they feel like they're getting burnt out from just yeah. everyday life? Yeah. So one thing I've noticed is if you do not prioritize rest, your body will do the rest for you. And that's where you hear of nervous breakdowns and burnout. Mm -hmm. That's your body literally saying, I have to stop. So in a weird way, you're going to get rest regardless. It's best for you to choose when you want to rest. Cause when your brain is tired, it will shut off. And I'm sure you, you've probably felt it before as a parent. Like you just get that moment of like, I can't handle this anymore. I'm like so overwhelmed. Um, it's all about boundaries. Like this is something I've learned. Even if you have nothing to do that Saturday, still tell people you do have something to do that Saturday. Like you have to like just practice it. Like, okay, this weekend I'm going to take for myself. Oh, but I really don't have anything plans. It, whatever. I'm going to sleep late. Like, just be super intentional. Like, I know for myself, I'll look at my own schedule and my own uh, calendar and say, okay, this day I'm doing nothing. Before, I would I would feel guilty. Like, man, but I really don't have anything planned that day. I'm sure I could pick up another client or do this. And it's like, no, I have to separate that time. Even me. There's something called uh, compassion fatigue. Have you ever heard that phrase before? No. no. Compassion. Oh, I love the response. No. Okay. So <laughs> compassion fatigue uh, was actually studied back in 2001 when the Twin Towers fell, when that happened. A lot of counselors and mental health professionals during that time took on even more of a caseload during that time because of you know the, the what happened, the victims, they wanted to open up their schedule more so they can uh, provide services to those who were impacted by 9-11, those people that were there. Um, and what they noticed is these therapists, these counselors, these mental health professionals, although they were not physically there at the site, seeing the things that these people saw, they got something called compassion fatigue. They started getting burnt out. They started feeling depressed. It was like, you know, like secondhand smoke where you're mm -hmm. not the smoker, but if you're near it, you feel that impact. It's the same thing with someone's mental health and, and illness. It's like you kind of take it on. So if you don't have that emotional boundary, pastor, minister, if you're just going and going and going, because you're so, uh, you want to share mercy with everyone and you want to share empathy. You can really get drained by yep. pouring out so much and being that listener and, and then just then going to the next person, please tell me your problems. What's going on? Wow. Let me pray with you. Then you go to the next person, please tell me your problems. I want to be with you and, and pray with you. When you do that so much, you're still human. 
Like I think of Jesus, he still went to the well and said, okay, I need to, I need to sit down and drink some water. Like he still rested. And it's the same, whatever profession you have, even if you are a stay at home mom, you still need that time of rest because there's but so much you could give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, yeah. the subject on taking a sabbatical is uh, yeah. something I can relate to last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the first oh, time yes. I took a sabbatical and I took oh. a break. Um, you know, I like Miguel. We're, we're, we're still, we're young people. We're both yes. young individuals, <laughs> but we've been in ministry for yeah. so long since we were kids Ministry that you know t- taking God. a sabbatical at 30 sounds crazy but it's yeah. like no we've been doing this for so long right. <laughs> uh, right. but you know it is something that is important and and it is going to some people are going to look at you a little crazy especially yep. if it's not a common thing in your mm-hmm. circle in your church as well you know i remember letting a couple of people know like hey i'm gonna be you know taking a break my wife's gonna give birth she's going on maternity right. leave i'm going on paternity leave you know, deuces, let me take care of my family type of situation. Um, You know, and there were a lot of people who were supportive, but there were some that did throw a little comment, you know, like, oh, you know, no te decarri ahora, you know, like (gasps) little things here and there that is very insensitive, but it's because unfortunately it has been ingrained in, you know, in our circles that you can't take a break. What do you mean you're going to take a break? Uh, But whatever. Even though my wife would, you know, still yells at me to this day because (laughs) when people came uh, to visit her uh, and visit the baby and all the other stuff, they would still try to pull me aside. Like, Mira, you know, this is coming up. Like, what do you think? And she's like, (gasps) you were taking meetings in the middle of my pregnancy. Yes. Uh, But you have to be able to detach yourself, you know, and it's difficult, especially for people people like us who are so involved, who have, you know, wear many different hats or yeah. in a lot of stuff in your church, sometimes it is difficult to take a step back, but it is important to do so, especially Absolutely. when it comes to your family, you know, as Christians, yes. pastors, leaders, you know, you can't be a great leader in church, but at home, your family's falling apart. Like Come your on. first ministry is your family. So yes. if whatever's happening in your church is taking precedence over your relationship with your kids and your relationship with your wife and your family, that's something you need to look at, you yeah. know? So it is important to take those breaks to have those moments. But, you know, we can keep talking for hours and hours and hours. um, And we have reached the end of the episode. But before we close off, if there's anything that you would like to share or say or you feel like, oh, man, I forgot to say this before. You know, we want to give you the opportunity to have that moment. So we're going to give you this moment now to just say whatever's in your heart uh, to our listeners. A big, big thank you. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you, Eddie, just just for inviting me on this. I'm just so thankful that God is allowing more conversations like this to happen. Um, And in a weird way, if there's anyone who's listening to this and is triggered in the opposite way of like, oh my gosh, they're talking about this. They're talking about mental health. I hope this does trigger because we, we need this to feel a little bit uncomfortable to get to healing. Because if you're not challenged you'll just stay stuck. So I pray that this did challenge the listeners in, in a good, healthy way. Amen. And, and, you know, just a little bit more about boundaries. It's okay to say no, no, as a Christian is not a dirty word. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's your mental health after the year we went through mental health is key. Yeah. And can you please let everyone know where they can find you on social media, um, you know, so they could uh, follow you and just, you know, stay connected with, uh, you know, the resources and all the posts and everything that you put out there. 
Yes. You know, it still fathoms me that people even watch. I'm not even going to lie. I started <laughs> that Instagram like in 2018. It was just something for fun. And praise God, people share things. And I'm like, wow, people are really watching. But it's uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Living Abundantly TV. Yes. So make sure you go and follow, subscribe, uh, you know, and yes. check out everything that, uh, you know, Priscilla puts out there again, this is a conversation that needs to continue, mm -hmm. right? It's not over. Um, you know, just because this episode is over, this is something that hopefully we continue to, you know, talk about and yes. have conversations and, you know, research. So Priscilla, thank you yes. so much for being thank on our you. podcast. We truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, so once again, you know, make sure to subscribe and like and follow us, God Life Culture Podcast. You're listening to us, so make sure that you have liked us, that you have rated us, that you share the post, and that you also follow Priscilla as well to get those inspirational quotes, to get those videos that sometimes be like, what she said? But those are the things <laughs> that you need to listen to, you know. And Priscilla, honestly, it has been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you for taking your time to speak to us. And we're definitely going to have you back very soon. Woohoo! I can't wait. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys for listening to the God Life Culture podcast. That's God, God Life Culture. Culture. Until next time. See ya. Bye.